I want to start telling you about um, an experience that I had uh, about 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, I joined the, uh, the company I'm currently employed with. I'm not allowed to say their name because it's on YouTube, but you know it is, right? So I joined the company that I, that I started working for 10 years ago. And like anybody, when you join a new job, you're super keen. Um, and you bring with it, just like we prayed for Chris Neen, you bring it kind of with your, your experience and your insight. And so you, you come and you join, you get to know some people. And then it doesn't take long when you join someone new for you to spot something that's broken, something that's not working well. And you're like, I've seen this. I've done this. We fixed this. What, where I used to be. And so naturally what comes out your mouth is, I tell you what, have you thought of doing this? Because where I used to work, we, we, we tried this and it worked brilliantly. You see it an awful lot, and it happens, you know, if you join a job, you just can't help it. You see stuff, and you're like, what you need to do is, here's the fix. And what you're most often greeted with when you say that is, well, we've tried that before. Yeah, it didn't work. And you're like, oh, well, okay, well, what about this? Yeah, no, we've, we've tried that before. That doesn't work around here, right? And so, so I remember this experience of me and thinking, what a bunch of cynical old people, not open to ideas, stuck in the mud, you know, right? So now having been there 10 years, I've got people joining the company, doing a role very similar to me. I, 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 there's one of three people who do my job, so two others. have Just two new people have joined to do the same job as me. And they both come with wealth experience. And they walk in the door and they see the problems. And they're like, what you need to try is. And everything in me doesn't want to be that person that goes, yeah, no, that's not going to work around here. We've tried that. We've done that. And maybe I should be adopting a mindset which is where this sermon in this morning is is it's time to try again it's time to try again maybe we should have another go with that maybe it's not so bad an idea there's um there's a quote that goes around um attributed to einstein i don't think he actually said it right but you know what it's like with the internet the moment you stick someone's name and face against it they're always going to say it, and he's not here to defend it either so according to einstein well according to people einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. It's interesting, that, isn't it, right? That, that's become actually quite a, uh, a well-shared meme or quote. It used to be that we'd go around saying, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. You know, but that's out of fashion now. What's in fashion is, you know, if you, if you do something, you get the results, then it's insanity to keep trying to do the same thing and expect something different. The Bible says something a little bit different to that. This is one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. It's the one, of most, one I remember the most. Galatians 6, 9. Yeah. I realize I need to move over, otherwise I'm going to cover my own face here. Right? So Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not get tired of doing what's good. Let's not grow tired of doing the right thing. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You know, we live in a, a results-orientated culture. Well, we want to see results. If you don't see the results you're looking for, if you don't get the satisfaction you're looking for, then it's time to move on. Time to try something else. And so we're wired to look for the easy route. We're wired to look for the easy route. That's, that's how our kind of, our, that's the human nature. It's like the river that's looking for the path of least resistance. We're, if it's hard work to get there, there's something deep within the human psyche that's like, can I just, you know, find an easier way to do this? And we probably have to acknowledge that when you are doing something, even the right thing, as we read there in Galatians, doing the right thing, and you're not seeing the results that you want, and it's tiring, and you're trying really hard, and you're not seeing it, it's actually quite hard. That, that, it's a grit thing within us. It actually builds a lot of 
persistence and resilience that we keep going. And it's hard. If you've ever been in those circumstances where you think, well, I know I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not seeing the right result. It's, it can be a bit soul-destroying. It can be tough to dig into that. And questions start to arise in our mind that says, well, maybe it's not the right thing. <laughs> maybe I should just give up. Maybe I should try something else. Maybe this quote by Einstein is right. Maybe I'm being insane, doing the same thing and not seeing the results yet. Well, this, this message this morning, I think, speaks into this. We are going to be in the Gospel of Luke. If you've got a Bible uh, or an app or whatever, then you can look at that. We'll put it up on the screen as well. And we're reading from Luke chapter 5. And just as they're out the back there talking about Jesus walking on the water, this is another one of those experiences with Jesus and water. And this is what we read in Luke chapter 5. It says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in or pressed on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck with the number of fish that had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. It may be a familiar story, maybe one you've heard before. Maybe it's the first time you've heard it. But I want to just kind of think about what's going on in this story and almost just trying to step into the drama of the story here. These, these are fishermen. Peter, or Simon, Peter, James, John. These are fishermen. This is their profession. They are, Jesus is meeting them in the morning, but for them it's the end of the long shift. For you night workers, you know that feeling at the end of the long shift. Right? You're like, it's the end of your working day. You're done. And they've worked, I mean, fishing is manual work. I always talk to Dave about his manual work and about how my fingers get really sore on that keyboard, tapping away on it all day, right? They are. They're really hard on the ends here from the keyboard, right? It's hard work. Talking all day in meetings is tough, you know. But manual workers, they really know what real work is. You know, and this is a manual job. Fishermen, manually working. And also, they've got that psyche that says, if I don't, if I don't catch fish, I don't earn. I mean, there's no salary for fishermen. The, the productivity that they produce... That's what they're going to sell. That's what's going to literally put food on their own table um, and feed their family. And so they are at the end of this night shift. They're physically exhausted. They're worried about their income. They're not feeling that great about themselves. If ever you've had a rubbish day at work, you think, am I any good at this job? Right, they're in this place. And they get to the point where you can almost, and it's not in the text, but you can almost hear 
the voice inside their head because it goes on inside of your head and my head when we have days like that that says, this isn't working. I'm just going to jack it in. I'm just going to go home. It's not worth it. All the effort, it's just not worth it. And in the midst of that, they hear someone saying, it's time to try again. Do you know how hard I've worked all night? It's easy for you to say, it's time to try again. You haven't been out there all night. Do you know how hard it is to have been out there? We've just finished. We've just started cleaning all the nets up. We've just cleared up for the day, and you're saying it's time to go out again. What's the point? But in that voice, there's this niggle that this person who's speaking might be onto something, despite all that. Enough to go, okay, go on then. I'll entertain you for a little bit. We'll give it a go. And so they go out to the deep, and they throw these nets down. And we see a very different result to the result they've seen the night before. Uh, Not just a good fish, an overwhelming catch, an amazing catch. More than they could hope for, an abundance, an overflowing of God's generosity poured into the, literally into their lap of all these fishes. And it's at that point they have this realization. It's not just, I'll give it a go, he might be onto something, but they are in the presence of of the risen, well, not the risen yet, but of Christ Jesus. They're in the presence of God. They're in the presence of someone special to be able to speak that way. And for them, it produces this realization that's like, well, if you are who you are, then I know who I am. If you're as holy and awesome and miraculous as you are, I know how broken I am. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says to them, my paraphrase, which is, you haven't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen nothing yet. It's not about fishing a boat. It's about fishing for people. And I want you to think about this story because I think this story is a cycle and a story that plays out in so many parts of our lives. And so I'm a visual person, so I like to draw pictures. And so I get this little picture for you on the screen that, you know, there's this first phase that goes on. Think about these guys when they're going out to fish at the beginning of the shift, the enthusiastic bit where you're like, this is good. I'm pumped up, I'm ready to go, we're going to have a good day today, we're going to go out there, we're going to work hard, we're going to try hard. Enthusiastic phase where it all seems simple, it seems straightforward. Think about it in your walk for Christ, you become a Christian, you're enthusiastic for Jesus, yeah, I'm going to go and Jesus in your name, we can change the world, we're enthusiastic. This phase where we're expecting great results. And very often, not always, but more often than not, I think, we, we transition into this disappointed phase. We've gone from all this enthusiasm and we're like, where's this getting me? What? <laughs> What's this all about? I, I thought, when I, when I started my night shift, I thought we'd catch a load of fish, but we've got zero. We've got nothing. Apparently, those who watch The Apprentice, the people on The Apprentice, if you watch The Apprentice, apparently they had that experience this week. No, none of you watch it, well, nor do I, so lost on you, right? But anyway, this experience of like, <laughs> I won't spoil it, Michael. They do amazing. They do amazing, right? But, you know, we have this enthusiasm, and then reality hits. And it's like, this is a bit tougher than I thought. And disappointment sets in. And we get to where they're at, which is like, do I stop now? Is it time to give up? Jack it in. Forget all about it. I was just hyped up on a moment. 
And it moves into this third phase of hearing, this hearing, this call that says, it's time to try again. It's time to try again. That's what Jesus says to these disciples when they're in that disappointed phase. He says, go and cast your nets again. And it's interesting whether we respond to that or not. Because Jesus only invites them. He doesn't force them. He gives them an invitation. And they respond to that invitation. And then what we see is this bit where they start to see the results of carrying on and trying again, persevering. Don't grow weary in doing good for in due season. You'll reap a reward. And I put this up here because... That way, there it is, right? I put this up here. I always get confused with me left and right when you're doing something on the screen. But put this up here because I really genuinely believe that in different aspects of your life, but maybe about your Christian life, many people are in somewhere here to down here. I think we've come out of a two years of a pandemic and then into a, a, a global conflict, and it's like, where is it going? Where is it getting me? Where's all the prayers going? Where's all the, the, the following of Jesus going? Where's the effort I'm putting into? Where's it going? And I just get a, a feel as I get to know, you know, not get to know, I know you guys, but as I get to listen to where people are at, that a number of people are in this disappointed bit of like, you know, even at that point of jacking it in, of like, I just don't know what it's worth. But also I recognize a number of people are transitioning into this bit of hearing a call from God saying, should we go again? Should we go deeper? Should we go out into the deep waters? Should we, should we journey together? And I'm seeing a number of people on that journey as well. Probably actually more moving into the, the three than the two. I've seen this transition and observed it in our church where a number of people are like, there's a rising up within that says, I'm going to go deeper again with God. I'm going I'm to keep going. I'm going to respond to that call. And so I, I want to preach this morning about this because I think as we hear this thing that Jesus is saying it's time to try again, I think there are a few different things where he's saying it's time to try again. And, and a number of them, you're in them right now. None of this isn't new. It's actually preaching into where you're experiencing. The first one is it's time to try following Jesus again. It's odd, really, the idea of this. So I want to do a little straw poll. How many of you in the room, you have to put your hands up for this. Sorry for those of you online, you can put your hands up, but I don't see it, right? How many of you in the room have been a Christian for more than five years? Okay. How many have been a Christian for more than 10 years? So you can put your hands down. if you. More than 20 years. More than 30 years. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> if you're 50... And you got saved before you were 20, it's more than 30, right? Just try. <laughs> you can put your hands down. I'm not inviting you to be born again, again, right? You can't, right? You got saved. You get a moment where you're like, I've got to give my life to Jesus. You don't get a second born again moment, right? It doesn't happen that way. But you can have a renewed call to follow Jesus. These, these guys didn't become fishermen that morning, they were always fishermen. But Jesus said, I want you to go again. And I think there's a renewed call. You know, when I was young, oh, that's a dreadful phrase, and I'd like to believe I'm still young, but when I was young, right, there's my water. When I was young and church circles, the big thing that we, uh, we kind of all got worried about was a thing called backsliding. You know, so these are Christians who are Christians, and then they kind of fall off the rails, and they, 
I don't know, go to lots of parties or they swear or they, I don't know, whatever. The things that go wrong in their life, they, they kind of lead, don't come to church very regularly or if at all. Their life doesn't look anything like a Christian. They're backsliders. And the worry was you don't want to be a backslider. But also there was this invitation for people in that place to say, come back. Because there is, that's the, that's the story of the prodigal son. It's a different sermon, but that story is there. And that was, that was one of the prevailing messages, I think, when I was young, which was like, you know, there's a place for the backslider to come back, but also a warning. Don't be a backslider, you know, keep going with Jesus. That's still true. But I don't think it's the busy, busy, biggest risk that we face as Christians in our culture. I don't think it's the biggest risk of being a backslider. I think the biggest risk is about being a stagnator that we just kind of settle into being, I'm a Christian. Might go to church, I'll pick up the Bible, might even say a few prayers. I mean, I'm just settled in being a Christian. I've got the label, I don't mind it, I'm not pushing against it. Of course there's a God, of course Jesus rose from the dead, I'm a Christian. But the, the walk with Jesus is a walk, it's not a stand. Right? It's, it's not a stand with me, it's like walk with me. And so the stagnating bit is when we're just standing there and God's going, come on, let's keep going. Come on, walk with me. Come and go deeper with me. And I really believe that, that some are stepping into throwing their nets down again. I'm hearing it because I'm talking to a number of you and you're telling me. And I'm hearing about amazing experiences as you dig back into Jesus and you surrender your lives again and you're like, I just want to find out. You know, that, that, that diagram that was up there earlier, that disappointed bit is a sense of a, like a holy dissatisfaction. It's like, the Christian's life's got to be more than this, isn't it? And for many people I've experienced in this room, we've got to that point of going, yeah, it has to, it's got to be. And I'm going to dig in and I'm going to find it. And I'm not going to grow weary in doing good because in due season I'll reap a reward. And so these practices that many people are rediscovering of, of spending quiet times with God, praying, reading God's word, giving their finances into the church, surrendering their lives, sharing their faith. These steps of faith that are like active following of Jesus, as they're stepping into that, they're like, wow. I want to tell you, for me, you know, I don't know whether this encourages you or, or, or disillusions you, I don't know. You know. I've been leading the church for six years now. I've been a Christian for over 30 years. I'm discovering one of those moments. It's not like I wasn't a Christian six months ago, but I'm in one of those phases of going again and going more intentionally and going deeper. And as I am, I'm like, this is amazing. I'm discovering more about God than before. And I thought I knew him before that. I posted about it on Facebook. And it's not meant to be a confession like I was a backslider. I wasn't. But maybe something had stagnated. Maybe something had stayed still. Maybe I'd got settled. You know, I know some are exhausted and even disappointed with the Christian walk. You know, they're thinking, I've tried. I, I, I've said those prayers, Trevor, and I've not seen anything happen. And I've given my money to the church, and I seem to still be poor. And I've witnessed to my next-door neighbor, and now they're not talking to me. And, you know, right, and, and people in that place of like, just, it sounds good on paper. I get it says that in the Bible, but in practice, does it really work? You talk about spending time in prayer. I've tried that before, Trev. It, that's not my thing. It doesn't really work for me. I don't get to do that. And I know you're telling me to read the Bible, but it, it's like gibberish to me. I don't really get it. I don't know where to start. Or being part of a Bible study. You know, kind of, I don't really do small groups. I don't, that's not my thing. Or you want, me to, you want me to tithe to the church? I can't really afford to give my money. I want to say to you, it's time to try again. 
I really believe Jesus is saying that it's time to try again. Jesus is inviting each of us into a fresh call to follow him more deeply. And a bit like this cross that we had a moment earlier, but the cross is still here. Maybe you've had a moment where that's occurred and it's like, I've got to go deeper. But equally, the, the moment is still here. The moment hasn't passed. There's still a, a call for what I would call radical obedience to God's word. Where we read God's word and we go, yeah. And then that very day, God puts his finger on the, the button that lines up with what he says. And you're like, oh man, I've actually got to put it into practice now. Oh, I quite like the idea of reading it. I quite like the idea of praying about it. And I've, you know, I'll tell you the story another day maybe. I had that two weeks ago. I had an amazing quiet time with God. God put his finger on something. I'm, yes, God. And then that very day, I get my life interrupted and I want to just ignore it. And God's going, that's the very thing we spoke about this morning. Oh, God, do I have to? Yeah. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then you're not just going to speak it. You're going to put it into practice. And so I really do believe there is a call from heaven that says it's time to try following Jesus again. I also believe that it's time to try church again. I don't know if you've noticed, and I'm not sure I could completely describe it or put my finger on it, but the oak is a bit different. It's a bit different to how it was post-pandemic and pre-pandemic. I think, you know, the church is always changing. You go to any church, go visit a church you visited 10 years ago, it'll be different, right? So God's always doing that. But I think there's something for many churches about COVID that's kind of accelerated a whole bunch of things. God has stripped away. (laughs) I'm looking at my notes here, right? So I've got, have you noticed the oak is different? Yes, there are less of us. It's a small family. Well, it's not less of us this morning, but any other week, there's a lot less of us. Right? Right? There's a lot less of us on many weeks, right? Let's, let's be honest about it, right? All right, I know, right? So, so, yeah, but there's equally less than would have been before, right? We've cleverly laid out less chairs, right? So it looks busy, right? We're not silly around here, right? But, you know, there's less pretense. There's less pretending to be a Christian. There's less show. There's more authenticity. God has stripped away stuff in your life and in my life and the life of our church. It's what the Bible calls pruning. Now, anyone who's visited my home, outside our front door, there's this bush. What, what is it? What is it? It's a fuchsia. Thank you, right? This thing is wild, right? At times in the year, you can't get to the front door. Is it a fuchsia? All right. What are you looking surprised about? It's not wild now. It's been cut back. Yes, right? It's not. I'm getting to that bit. I'm getting to the pruning bit, right? But there were times, there were times when it was a bit wild, and when it rained, you couldn't get to our front door without getting soaked. You couldn't get between the car and the future, right? And so, what do you do? You do some, yeah, silos about this, trying to get through with the dogs and whatever, right? So what do you do? You prune. And sometimes, when that, bro- that, that future thing's been pruned, you look at it afterwards and you go, did we kill it? <laughs> it's, like, it's like there's barely any of it left. And it's like, it looks dead. There's no green on it. But it's, that's what a pruning process is. I want to tell you, maybe you felt this as well. There's been times when I've turned up to the oak and thought, oh, we killed it. Has it died? Where's everybody? Right? That's pruning. What happens when you prune is you prune back to grow more. You prune back for roots to go deeper. And I think God in his, oh, I was going to say wisdom, but I think actually frustration with the church 
as like, look, would you listen? And it's not just our church, many churches. It's like God has been calling for things that the church has not been listening to. Can you imagine if I'd have turned up and said, I've got this idea. God has told me we're going to stop meeting for 18 months. And half of you don't come back when when we do come back. What is this bloke doing? But God does that. And he gets away with it, doesn't he, right? You know, right? Because God is pruning. And what you're left with is a church that God says, now I'm going to grow this out. You know, what can God do with devoted followers of Jesus? That's the thing that's always encouraged me. I've said this a few times. What I love about turning up to church nowadays is all of you want to be here. No one's here out of religion. No one's here out of like, oh, well, I was meant to be. Oh, I want to see so-and-so because you never know if they're going to turn up, right? You're here because you're like, I've just got to be at church. I've just got to meet with God. And, and so as we strip away the wrong reasons and we get to be with God for the right reasons, he's like, this is what I can do with devoted followers. And look what Jesus did with disciples. A small band of brothers who were sold out for Jesus. And you know, literally, that song we sang earlier, they changed the world. They started a movement that escalated and, and, and avalanched around the world. And the globe is no longer the same. You know, Jesus' arrival on the earth changed the globe. It was an event in history that changed everything about our world. And so just like these kind of bare walls that we've got, where there's a refreshing, but we're yet to kind of build upon them, God has done that with this church. And he's rebuilding the oak. And I really do believe, and don't ask me what or how, because I haven't got the revelation, and maybe I never will, maybe God will give it to you, but, but I really believe that it's not just about trying church again, but, but redefining, kind of how do we do it? And it's funny, really, because we're still just meeting and singing and preaching, right, and having junior church, but there's something that God has shifted within that, the way it's done, where we're coming from in our heart. So it's not all about trying newfangled things, maybe it is, but some of it is about God saying, I just want to tackle church in a different way. And it's because he's working in your lives for your lives to be different. So I think there's this thing about it's time to try following Jesus again. People are going through that. I think it's thing about trying church again, particularly for us. And thirdly, it's what I call blankety blank. It's time to try blank again. And what I mean by that is I believe in this moment, here now, with the Holy Spirit here, He is or wants to impress upon people's hearts things that you know he's saying. Got to go back to that. I gave up on it. And it's time to try it again. So I want to just pause and pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to do that. And that's a private thing between you and him. You know, maybe the first two have really spoken to you, but there's something personal for you. So let's just take a moment. I haven't finished preaching. It's not the final closing prayer but it's an invitation. Lord, would you come right now? Lord, thank you that, you know, with every sermon, Lord, people walk away with something different that you've spoken. And right now, in this moment, Lord, would you just, you know, give that inescapable voice, that inescapable prod, where you know that God is touching on something in my life. For people in this room, Lord, I pray that there's something for many, maybe for everyone, I don't know, God, but for many, where you're saying to them, can we go back to that? Can we go back to that? Can we try again? Amen. These were fishermen at the the end of a long, hard shift. And something about that call from Jesus said, okay, if you say so.
I don't think they were totally convinced. But they just washed their nets, right? Even if they caught no more fish, they've got to wash the nets all over again, right? They're going to put them down in the seawater. They're going to have to wash them all out again. And, and, and they kind of have got enough of a prod to go, well, okay, it's time to try again. So I want to just say that, you know, this message about it's time to try again, th- this call from Jesus, this story that we've heard, it happens twice in the Gospels. So we read it from Luke 5. This is actually when Jesus is calling the disciples to follow him. We hear this story. That's what we read about earlier. He's in the boat teaching, teaching others. He says, let's go out into the deep. And then he does this miracle where he says, put your nets down again. And then they catch all these fish. That happens in Luke 5. But it happens a second time in Jesus' ministry at the end. Actually, after he's been crucified, after he's been raised from the dead, he does this miracle a second time. It happens in John 21. And it has an awful lot of similarities. Awful lot of similarities in the, in the story. And what's interesting in this time, you know, just think about the story we heard about a moment ago. We've got disciples who are fed up of fishing, right? They're at the end of that night shift, having worked all night with no results, and they're fed up, and they're washing the nets going, let's just go home. And Jesus says, let's go again. When you catch up with John 21, you've got fishermen who are fed up of trying the Jesus thing and decide to go back to fishing. They left their fishing nets all through Jesus' ministry. Jesus dies. There's some rumor about he might be raised from the dead, but they don't feel like the world is any better. Our Savior got crucified on a cross, and now all the Romans are out trying to kill us as well. Let's just go back to fishing. I'm fed up with this thing. Let me read it to you again. John 21 reads like this. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples besides the Sea of Galilee. It's the same, same, same place. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. So you've got Peter, James and John. They're both back there. And two other disciples. Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. He's like, I'm, I'm going back to what I know. I used to be able to do that. And they say, we'll come too. So they went out in the boat, but again, they caught nothing all night. I wonder what sort of deja vu feelings coming over. I can't even fish now. (laughs) You know, I used to be able to do this. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He calls out, fellows, have you caught any fish? It's lovely when people say things like that. Has it worked? Thank you for asking. No, they replied. Then he says, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. Can you imagine the conversation in the boat? Oh, yeah, the right side. Because <laughs> we haven't tried that before, have we, right? <laughs> so they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Penny drops. I've been here before. Then the disciple that Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. He might have said something about Sherlock at that point, right? Yeah. Of course it is. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. These were the ones who'd followed Jesus. Peter had been called from fishing for fish to fish for men, and now he's gone back to fishing for fish. It's interesting. Jesus goes to where they are. He goes to where they've gone back from the mission field, back to their 
my safe place, the thing that I know how to do, and he calls to them. And they don't even realize at the beginning it's Jesus calling them back. But they respond to it. I mean, you kind of wonder why. I wonder if there's a niggling feeling at that point for them that kind of goes, this is feeling a bit familiar. I wonder if. I wonder if. And again, their eyes are open and it's like, it's the Lord. Of course it is. And they know Jesus spoken again. I want you to think now not about you and what God is speaking to you. And just to recognize that outside of these walls, there are people who have gone back to fishing boats. People who once were in a community of believers. Once were part of a church, maybe part of this church, maybe part of another church, once called themselves a Christian and have wandered away from that completely and like, I'm just left that behind. They've gone back to the life they knew. And through you, Jesus wants to say to them, it's time to try again. So often we think, what's in it for me? I'm sorry to do a switch and bait and turn the tables on you, but he wants to use you to speak to them equally and say, come back, come back. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.20 says. It says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. There are people who have dropped out of church because of two years of losing a habit. And God would say to them, come back. And I think he would call you to speak to them. Friends that you know that used to be part of a church, part of this church or another, and say, it's time to come back. It's time to come back. God is making his appeal through you. There are people who dropped out of church through hurt. I promise you this is in my notes. I wrote this last week, right? 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 People who have dropped out through hurt. Many, many people scarred out there because church was a bad deal. Through imperfect people, that God chooses to use and call his church, hurt occurred. And they're like, I'm not going back there. And you are in touch with them. They're your friends. And he's saying, I want to use you as an ambassador to say, why don't you try again? Come again. Come back. There are people who have dropped out through sin and shame. They've made massive mistakes and look and think, the church could never welcome me. Jesus could never welcome me. I could never be accepted back there if they only knew what I'd done. And you and I know the work of grace, that that's not the truth. You and I know that's not the way the gospel works. And we're able to say, come again. It's time to try. You'll experience the grace and forgiveness of God. So I want you to genuinely think, earlier I asked God to speak to your hearts about something, you know, maybe saying for you to try again. But I want to say to you also, is there someone that God places on your heart that you are in contact with? And you're able to say to them, why don't you try it again? I'll take you. You can come with me. Right? It's going to be all right. You know, go, for those who have left churches, again, not just this church, people who have walked out of churches, right? It's hard to come back. You need a friend. You need a friend. Yeah, she's good, isn't she? Yeah. It's God's ambassador. It says, God, we're Christ ambassadors. 
God is making his appeal. You don't know who he might use you to make an appeal to. Okay? Good. It's for all of us. You know what? God is rebuilt. And again, I, I, I'm not saying this is like a prophetic word for the UK church, but I don't believe it's just for us. Right? God is rebuilding his church. He stripped away a bunch of stuff, pruned away a bunch of stuff, put some things back on a different course, and rebuilding. Now, some people do that through church planting. You know, people leave churches, splits, and create a new thing. But that's not the way God wants to work. What he wants to do is strip away the stuff that gets in the way, all the stuff we accumulate, and bring us back, like we sing, you know, back to the heart of worship. So I haven't got a clue what song you might want to sing, Sharice, but I believe we need to sing. You don't, don't influence her. <laughs> Sharice, can you get the band back up, right? I, I, just, I just think God wants to solidify this in you. You know? He's calling you back. And he's calling you to be a voice that calls back. And so, you know, that will look differently for each of you. It'll mean different things for each of you. That's the wonderful thing, isn't it, right? The same Bible, you can go to a Bible study, read the same things, and God speaks something different to each of you because he's, he's not only a global God over the world, over this church, over this community. He's a personal God. And so there's something about this moment where God, I think, wants to do a personal work for you. So if you want to sing along with whatever they're going to do, feel free, but you don't have to. You can just have a moment with God and just receive what God is saying. But let me say this. Don't listen if you're not going to do. Genuinely, right? I, I think, uh, maybe this is bad theology, I think you're better off not listening to God than listening to him and then going, no, I don't want to. Yeah. Right? So if, you, if you're, you know, we sung Oceans earlier, you know, take me deeper. You know, if you're prepared for the challenge of then doing what God tells you, then, then have your ears open and say, God, what are you saying?